genius. I hate people. I hate people. This is why they're the worst. Are you ready for it? Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Rachie B. Batten. Uh, we're still sticking to that? I, I don't you know why. Last... All right. It just came to my head again. I don't know why it comes to my head when we're recording. Hey, you're not recording our meat. Oh, wait. Yeah. Sorry. Um, hey, fam. Hey, homies. What's up? Um, this is People Are the Worst. I'm Rebecca. I will be listening to Rachel's story today. If you're new here, we love true crime stories with a plot twist or shock factor, and we hate the people responsible for them. Ain't that the truth? Um, real quick, I'm going to jump in with some Patreon shoutouts. We have a Patreon, three different tiers. Tier two, get a shout out. Well, all of them get really a shout out. Yeah. Tier three gets a special shout out. Um, which I have one today. and But first, I'm going to say, hey, Gray. Hey, Emily. Thank y'all for joining the Patreon. Y'all rock. Y'all rock. Emily, we've known since like day one of life. So what up? We appreciate the support. Yeah. Um, and then also Alexis, who we gave a shout out to a couple of episodes ago, but now she has her custom shout out. She wants to say happy birthday to her sister, Christina. She said, happy birthday, Christina. You're the most hilarious, selfless, and sweet sister ever. You're my best friend. I couldn't imagine having to go through this crazy life without you. Love, Lexi. My You're God. So, Y'all are so nice to each other. That is the, that's great. So happy birthday, um, Christina, happy who's also birthday. a patron. Such a wholesome shout out, especially which everyone needs right now because the world is burning the word world is in hell right first we had the port the uva murders then the idaho murders and now club q murders all awful this is why the title of our podcast is factually accurate it's terrible so sad yeah and they've all happened i mean within days of each other we are i actually i want to get into the idaho murders um it's baffling. It's baffling. And we talked about it a little bit last episode, but it was the day that the news broke. So mm-hmm. I hope that we're recording this on November 22nd. Hopefully by the time it airs, we know more information. But for what we know now, I am so stressed. Here's what we know as of right this minute. Mm-hmm. We, okay, four students were horribly murdered stabbed to death while sleeping. We know that the two surviving roommates woke up the next day, um, called 911 close to noon. There's been a lot of question about, like, they called 911 because someone was unconscious, is the report. There's been a lot of question about that, given the amount of blood that even the coroner said was in the house. Here's my theory on that. This is this is Rachel. So, I sort of think the killer locked the door from the inside when he left the room. And so maybe the two roommates were like banging on the door, calling the victim's name, and the victim wasn't responding. So they just knew something was wrong. I don't think they actually saw, walked in the room and saw everything and then just assumed she was merely unconscious. There's uh, That does not seem likely at all. So that's just kind of my running theory. That's a good Um, one. I actually... um stole that theory and used it as my own on a separate friend's text today, this morning. Oh. I took credit for it. Well, 
what text are you on that I'm not? <laughs> Don't worry about it. No, I'm just kidding. It's uh, uh, Peyton, Mary, and Olivia, some DC friends. Uh, okay, add me. No, because I'm going to use your credit. I'm going to take credit for your theory. It's a good one. <sighs> Whatever. There's a lot of, <laughs> I'm just kidding, that's not. <laughs> a lot of rumors going around. Um, the cops have dispelled some of them, like, a few weeks ago, there. this is disgusting and also horrible. Right. A dog who lived nearby was found skinned alive. Yes. They don't believe it's connected. I kind of don't either. But. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it seems insane. They. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's too fresh or too new of a fact that recently came out. I don't know. But it just seems so, like, that. The murder seems so targeted and personal. Like, what does this neighbor's dog have anything to do? There was, it was like a month before. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. All it says is just that there are two sickos out there, probably. Yeah. No, I could see that. But they've also ruled out the guy in the video at the food truck. Um, there's a guy kind of just lingering behind them while they order. They do talk to him a little bit. They've ruled him out. They've also ruled out um, Madison and Kaylee made several phone calls to an ex-boyfriend, Jack, Kaylee's ex-boyfriend. He's been ruled out, and the family, Kaylee's family, firmly stands behind him. Right. Like, 1,000%, he did not do this. Like, they're they're very much behind him. Yeah. Um, so that's what we know right now. I, I, I'm just like, it. there's rumors of one of them having a stalker. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? So if the, she had a stalker, the killer comes in, why kill everyone? Right. Like he's headed straight for the second floor, second, third floor. This wasn't like, a, I'm just going to kill anyone in my way, anyone who's in the house, because there are two surviving roommates on the first floor. I, it's just like, this is very strategic, I feel like. And the And everyone was asleep in their bed. So it's not right. like maybe he did target one and then all the others woke up and tried to help. And yeah, like you said, I'm going to kill anyone who's in my way. They were all asleep. The only thing about the the two surviving roommates, though, the main entrance, I believe, is the second floor. So he, the killer uh, could have had no idea anyone was downstairs. So they had like the basement floor. Oh, uh, okay. God, it's just so shocking. Like the police have to know more than they're letting on. I mean, I'm sure they do, but... I'm like, this can't be another college student. No one could get away with this for this long. Well, no, I think they know more, too, because Kaylee's dad came out and said the whoever did it was very sloppy, me- mm-hmm. left a mess of evidence. Like, there's so much evidence that it's just taking forever to go through it, which actually kind of makes me think it is a college student. I, know. I mean, I, I mean, who would? I don't know. It just seems so insane. Yeah, you're right. And I, I cannot fathom the thought that it's totally random obviously it's very personal but to play devil's advocate to this it's very reminiscent of the Gainesville murders in 1990 oh right you're idolizing these murderers reddit would get so mad at you wait why I don't know there's a post on reddit that said this (gasps) and they're like "Uh uh-uh let's not do this Isolated incident. No, no, no. We're not idolizing previous murders and serial killers. I'm not I know. idolizing. What Look, I'm with about? you, but take it up with the moderators. Oh, God. I, I sure effing will. 
Well, but some no, of our, it is. Sure. Let me carry on. Okay. Because if y'all don't know, in 1990, at the University of Florida, over a span of four days, five students were murdered. Scream, the movie, was based off of this. Um, Danny Rowling, again, killed five University of Florida students, raping them, stabbing them with a K-bar knife, which is what they think is used in Idaho. And then he would pose them in sexual positions. Ugh. Note, I, bel- I think the police have said no sexual assault has been seen in Idaho, and they were not posed in any position. They were just in their bed. But still very similar, and the Gainesville one was totally random. I know, but a copycat a hundred years later? I know, not a hundred. How dare you? I know. But that just, I don't know. It seems kind of, I mean, yes, similar, but the similarities are that it would be random and they're college students. Well, right. I don't think we could tie this back to Ted Bundy, too. I know. I don't think there's a copycat. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. uh, like it, it could be random. It just could like be that. random. Yeah. It has happened before where this is totally random. Yeah. Same. Well, the Ted Bundy thing came up. This is another thing that's come up that I don't find that weird. People are like, how did the two surviving roommates sleep through that? I don't think that's that weird. They're on the basement level. Yeah. All of them had been out. So like they're probably yeah, sleeping pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And someone from the Kyo house who survived the Ted Bundy attack. It has come out and say, oh, I slept through the entire thing. Well, that was at a coyote house. That was at a sorority house. That thing is huge. Mm, yeah. I just don't think it's that weird. There it, no, some... I don't either. I initially thought that, but then, then thinking about like, well, when you're drunk sleeping, and that is not in any way negative towards them at all. I'm just saying, like, if you're, if you've been out, it's very late, you've been drinking all night you're exhausted it's a deep ass sleep that you're and you're like you don't have the wherewithal probably your um like yeah reflexes aren't as sharp as they probably just before they even knew it were i don't know right and the victims were all asleep some did have defensive wounds so yeah. some did try to fight back right. but I, I don't know but who's to say what that is? a hand could have been over their mouth while they're punching, like trying to hit? Like, it's, yeah. Who's to say that means screaming? Yeah, I just don't think that's insane that they slept through it. It's, and the, the house is big. It's a six bedroom house among, um, spread out against three stories. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think that's insane. But again, this episode will be airing in very early December. Hope. To God, we have more information by then, and mm-hmm. people listening to our conversation are like screaming about it. Probably, you understand. We're we're two weeks behind you. Yeah. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. I'm so like baffled by I it. I know it's shocking. I know, me too. I love talking about it. It's all people have been texting me like, "What are your thoughts?" And I'm like, "This is all I want to do all day. Is just dissect every little." piece of available information yeah i mean okay well all the victims of every crime we've just mentioned idaho colorado springs Mm -hmm. uva everything (laughs) in the past week horrible so thinking of everyone Mm -hmm. 
This world's going to fucking hell in a handbasket. Sure is. So let me tell you about one more awful thing. Great. Cannot wait. That's the story of (laughs) Jesse Blodgett. Okay, great. A palate cleanser. Just kidding. (sighs) I'm kidding. It sure isn't. I know. Sources are Seven News out of Australia. I don't know why. Hmm. This is not an Australian case, but they covered it. Dateline season 23, episode 19, which was aired seven years ago. So God, they must be at least season 30 right now. I don't know. Yeah. True Crime Daily, The Wicked Truth Blog, and Love is Greater Than Hate Project.com. In 2013, 19 year old Jesse Blodgett was home from college for the summer, staying with her parents in her hometown of Hartford, Wisconsin. Jesse was young, but an old soul. Her friend Jackie said she liked, quote, old people stuff, which I just thought was funny because she she gave no examples. Like, I was like, like what? <laughs> I was just going like, to ask. Like bridge. Like bridge. I don't know. Uh, hard, hard candies in the bottom of your purse. <laughs> what? She's racist? <laughs> she's, she's, JK, JK. Oh, man, I wanted to combat that with something. But yeah. Totally. Old people stuff. (laughs) No, she wasn't. She was an angel because she was also a very big animal rights activist. Mm. She was really into singing and acting. So while she was home for the summer, she and one of her best friends, Dan, who had recently moved back to their hometown, wrote songs, joined the community theater. They both got roles in the theater's production of Fiddler on the Roof. Um, And Jesse, in particular, got the lead role. Mm. Go, girl. Get it. She, like, there's a million videos of her online. She's an angel. On July 14, 2013, Jesse, Dan, and their castmates had a cast party to celebrate the final show and its success. Jesse came home around 12.30 a.m., and her mom, Joy, had stayed up to wait on her. So they chatted for a bit, and then both of them went to bed. The next morning, Joy woke up to go to work and went into Jesse's room to check on her, but she was sleeping in, so she left. She came home for lunch and thought it was weird that Jesse still wasn't up yet. So she went back in her room and found Jesse cold, blue, with wet hair and ligature marks around her neck. Ooh. So she called 911, but it was too late. Mm. Jesse was dead. Her bedroom really start, struck out to Detective Thickens, who was assigned to this case, because it was messy like a typical teenager's room, but, but she was in bed with the covers very perfectly over her. Ooh, been personal. Personal. Playing. Yeah, she'd been placed there. Immediately, Jesse's parents, Joy and Buck, racked their brains about who could have done this. They came up came up with a couple people. That day, there had been landscapers there at the house trimming the tree right outside Jesse's room. They would have seen both parents leave for work and knew that they could have easily looked in and seen a young girl sleeping at home all alone. Mm-hmm. Police looked into them. They were quickly ruled out. Yeah. Yeah, it's that does not seem likely. Um, Buck then told them that Jesse worked at a restaurant down the street part time and had talked to her parents about a creepy coworker who would ru- who would ask her to do things like rub up against him whenever she passed him. Ew! Isn't that Are disgusting? you outside of your damn mind? Ew! So yeah, so they're like definitely looking to this creep. So they did, but he was out of the country. Rub up against me. That's going to stick with me. What a, fuck off. Disgusting. The sexual harassment that goes on to these high school students working yeah. a waitress job is like unbelievable. 
Yeah. Well, she was a college student, but still. Well, yeah. Young girl. Why? You got a story? What are you talking about? We no, it's Zoe's. just... I know, but I'm sure if I racked my brain, there's going to be so many inappropriate comments. You know, they just think they can get away with it because they're in the food and bev industry. It's just what happens. It's blah, blah, yeah. Shut up. They're not knowing that she's not going to do anything or report it or what, you know. Well, there's no HR department. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Fuckers. Um, so gross. No, I will not rub up against you. Thank you so much. Ugh. Anyway, he was ruled out again out of the country. Wait, do we have a personal or sexual harassment story? Whatever. No. Okay. I couldn't think of one for Tzatziki's or Zoe's, but I did think about the guy who asked if you wanted to spend the night. <laughs> what? Oh, did Remember? You, this, was like, about? this was like adulthood. This was in D.C. Y'all had a meeting in like Arlington. Oh, and he was like, God. oh, do you want to spend the night at my house so we can get there early? And you're like, no. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. It was such a weird no are you outside of your mind and he was so sweet he's so nice he's just i'm like you know boundaries right you're in a very large company and a very corporate setting and that is so did he, inappropriate did he have a family yep oh so was he older yeah yeah and his uh, whole was his whole family gonna be there yeah <laughs> so no, he was definitely not gonna try anything it wasn't like that but it's yeah. just so like, what on God's green earth makes you think that me, a 24-year-old, would feel at all comfortable doing that at all, ever, at all? Not today, not yesterday, not tomorrow, not next year, never, ever. Did you say, like, no, I'd rather not, or did you come up with an excuse? Um, actually, oh oddly, oddly enough, it was literally the two minutes after I saw our friend's plane crash on the Today Show and found out that it was her. So I actually burst into tears. I was like, oh, I came in to say I'm flying to Atlanta. And I ran out. And she's like, okay, whatever you need to do. I'll take care of the meeting. I'll do whatever. So it was actually that. I, I was going to say no, absolutely not. But um, you had a valid reason to not yeah. spend the night at the co-worker's house. Yeah. Yeah. That I thought about that story when I was like, gosh, have I ever, has anyone ever like talk to us like that in our high school working at a restaurant days and I couldn't think there but only adulthood when I my first job here I had to drive to Kansas with a co-worker and we had to like stop along the way and stayed at a hotel in St. Louis and he was like this hotel has a hot tub if you want to join me Ew. and I was like no like this Oh, God. And y'all, it might be unintentional, but like, please think. If you're a guy listening by chance, think about the shit you say. It's so uncomfortable. Girls will immediately go to an inappropriate. You could be completely innocent in your suggestion. We will always go to that's disgusting, inappropriate. And blech. There is nothing innocent about that suggestion. I was like, absolutely not. And now I, I was like... <laughs> God, such a bitch to him. Like, I did not. I had no qualms about saying, fuck no. Yeah. Like, I was ugh, gross. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> sorry. That was such a tear. Um, then her mom, Joy, came through with a very interesting story. Apparently, when Jesse came home the night of the cast party, she seemed upset. So when they were talking, Jesse told her that two of her male castmates kept flirting with her, making passes at her. 
And it made her especially uncomfortable because they were both in their mid-40s. Oh, this is the mantra of today's episode. I know. Men being creepy. God. Yeah. So it just really creeped her out. Yeah. Her mom obviously told Detective Thickens about it, especially after she found Jesse's journal and realized she wrote about the two creeps saying, quote, I think I'm being corrupted. I think certain men are taking what should be platonic love and perverting it into a competition. I'm not helpless. I'll recognize problems and confront them without fear. God be with me. Thank God for you, Jesse. Good for you. For writing. And well, so her mom was like, oh, this is more serious than I thought. Yeah. So the cops zero in on these two men. One of them was very quickly ruled out. He had an airtight alibi. I'm not sure what it was. But they learned the second guy named Randy was scheduled to go to work through a temp agency the day Jesse was murdered, but never showed up. Ooh. Sketchy. Yeah. Do you know the story? Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> if it's a Dateline episode, chances are I know it. But, I mean, seven years ago, I watch reruns every now and then, but whatever. Keep going. I don't know the end necessarily yet, but... Okay. So they bring him in for questioning, and he admits to making inappropriate jokes, but insists that's all it was. There was nothing more to it. There's always something more to it. Um, I mean, why to a teenager? Right. She's Come 19 on. at this point? Yeah. Yeah. They check his cell phone, and he never called her the night of the party. He never called her the day she was murdered. They also check the towers. And his phone never pinged near Jesse's house that day. So there was really nothing to place him there. Mm-hmm. So he was he was kind of put aside. He was not ruled out mm-hmm. by any means. Police asked Jesse's parents if they believed any of her friends could be responsible. They said definitely not. They had a really tight-knit group who often hung out at Jesse's house, so their parents knew him really well. Police still started questioning her friends, but nobody was really sticking out. Detective Thickens then learned about another attack of a 21-year-old girl named Melissa Etzler that happened on July 12th, which was two days before Jesse's murder. This this took place in Richfield, Wisconsin, which is only 12 miles from Hartford. Melissa was walking in the park that morning and heard footsteps behind her. So she turns around and sees a guy standing there and she laughed because she like jumped. And so she started laughing and was like, oh, my God, you scared me. So she turns back around, keeps walking, and then hears the footsteps running. So she turns around, and he has a knife. The next thing she remembers is being face down on the ground, and he's on top of her. She gets a hold of the knife from the blade end. So she's cutting her hands all up, but still manages to get the knife from him. Like a badass. Yeah. So the dude then looks at her and says, can I just go? And gestures for the knife. (gasps) And she's like, I'm going to go ahead and say, no. She said, no, you can't. So he dropped, he stopped gesturing and just ran. (laughs) What a little bitch. His his plan failed. It backfired. And he's like, just give me my weapon back and I'll be on my way. (laughs) Yeah. I'll go to the next girl. Go to hell. I would have stabbed him right in the neck. For real. So he runs off, but she has the knife. Blessed. (laughs) Blessed. Detective Clossing, who was assigned to Melissa's case, said Melissa was the best witness they've ever had. Not to mention a badass. Not to mention a badass. She described the attacker in very precise detail. She said, white male, 18 to 20 years of age, 
about 6'2", had light, shaggy, blonde hair, very fair skin, wearing glasses, plaid shorts. He was driving a dark blue Dodge Caravan. She didn't know the year, but it was definitely an older model, maybe in the early 2000s. And then she showed him exactly where he was parked. Whoa. Cool. They were like, damn. Damn. He doesn't stand a chance with you. Right. Hell yeah. So the description of the Dodge Caravan especially piqued the Richfield deputy's interest because several weeks before this, he noticed an old Dodge Caravan parked in the park, like the same park, while he was patrolling, and he ran the license plate, but nothing suspicious or sus, as the kids say, came up. So he moved on. But that description, he was like, oh, yeah, I did run that license plate. So they did have the license plate, which rocked. Oh, my God. Melissa, what's the social security number? <laughs> I mean, she had it. Really? A couple of days later, they find the license plate number, but they're confused because it's registered to a middle-aged couple. Mm. They go speak to the couple. Obviously, they don't match the description Melissa gave at all, but they have a son who does. Mm. Of course they do. Detective Clausen's like, great, give us his number. Even though it was interesting to police in both towns that these two crimes happened within days of each other and each involved like a young woman, et cetera, they were confident they were unrelated. One was attacked in the park with a knife. The other was murdered by strangulation in mm -hmm. her home. Yeah. It's not the same MO, not the same person. Meanwhile, back in Hartford, Jesse's friends and family gathered her at her house after a vigil for her on July 16th. Aside from Dan, who I already mentioned earlier, joined the theater with their wrote songs, her other best friends, Jackie and Amelia, were there. They were all sitting in a circle, crying, comforting each other, comforting the parents, sharing stories about Jesse. Dan was the main one talking. They said he was, like, the funny, outgoing one of the group. So he's kind of taking the stage and sharing the memories. That's when his cell phone rings. It was detectives asking him to come talk to them. And Jesse's mom and friends were like, yeah, they're talking to everyone, especially the guys. So he's like, all right, no problem. So Amelia and Jackie drive, to the drive him to the station. Uh-uh. When they get there, detectives ask why he thought he was there, and he said he wasn't sure. And then detectives said it was regarding Melissa Etzler's attack in the park. He's, uh, he's the son of the Dodge Caravan owner. Dan, fiddler on the roof. Jesse's yep. counterpart. <gasps> so Dan thought he was meeting with Detective Thickens, who was in charge of Jesse's case, but he was actually meeting with Detective Clossing. Mm -hmm. They're making small talk, like while detectives are setting up the room. And they asked him where he was when, he, when they called him, and he said, Jesse Blodgett's house. And they're like, is that the girl who just passed? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, what, what ever happened with that? What's going on with that? Because they're in a different town, different jurisdiction. So they probably, I mean, I'm assuming they just don't know the details of the case. And Dan answers, I think she was raped and murdered. So then detectives are settled. They have their notes and they turn back to Melissa's case. They look at his hands and he does have some cuts on them. So they ask what happened. And he said he cut him at work. And they're like, okay, great. We'll double check that with your employer. And then he reveals that he actually lost his job. He cut them at home cooking. Oh, okay. And they're like, no one in their right mind would lie about that. Like, that's right. <laughs> just as innocent as cutting them at work. I didn't want you to think I was a sloppy cooker. Right. Chef. 
a sloppy chef <laughs> or cook or cook <laughs> a cooker a cooker like a slow cooker like a crock pot oh, oh my god sorry so now they're really pushing him because he was busted in a dumbass lie right and detectives do not take too kindly to that no they do not dan finally folds and says he did attack melissa a motive, you ask, mm -hmm. because he was tired of seeing everyone go through life all confident when he's constantly scared about life. And he, so he wanted to scare someone. Why the hell is that <laughs> Melissa's or anyone else's problem? The fuck are you talking about? You're an you're like a thespian. You're on stage. You're confident in something. Come on. Uh, well, is that is that ignorant of me <laughs> to assume that all? Actors have somewhat of confidence. They've got to. You're the jokester. You're the one taking the stage at her vigil. Get out of here. You're that's an excuse. You're just a psychopath. All right. But he had recently like dropped out of college. His parents were upset about that. And then he lost his job and they didn't necessarily know that. Like uh, he was just spiraling. Yeah. So he, he was losing confidence for sure, apparently. I wanted to scare someone <laughs> out of here. Well, so like what was the game plan though? To kill her, please. Yeah, right. There, it was daylight in the middle of a park. I don't know. Anyway, so Melissa comes down to the station for a lineup, immediately picks him out. Mm -hmm. She's key witness. Mm -hmm. So he's arrested, obviously. Detective Clossing really didn't like the insinuation about what happened to Jesse. Because remember, this is July 16th. It was only the next day from Jesse's murder. Oh, whoa. They knew she was murdered, obviously, but nobody knew anything about a rape. Ew. Autopsies take much longer than that. Right. So Detective Clausens calls Detective Thickens to tell him about the conversation and the fact that this kid was the one who attacked Melissa. Detective Thickens tells Joy and Buck, Jesse's parents, about Dan being the person who attacked Melissa and that they were going to question him about Jesse and they were like, Joy and Buck were like, it hard no. It was not him. Yeah. I can't They're really that. good friends. Mm -hmm. We know and love his family. He's a good kid. Either way, obviously, they have to question Dan about Jesse. Mm -hmm. Dan admitted to having feelings for Jesse, but insisted he had nothing to do with the murder. They asked him where he was the morning she was killed, and he said he was reading a book in a park. They look at the security cameras, and he was, well, what are you doing? Uh, it just, it didn't seem like an airtight alibi. No one's there with you. Like I was reading a book alone in a park. Yeah, the park, he said, had security cameras, so. Oh, okay. And show enough, he was there that morning reading a book, but they weren't convinced that meant he was innocent. Mm -hmm. So they go to the park and dig through all the trash cans, and there they found a cereal box full of ropes that match the ligature marks on Jesse's neck. They take him to the lab, test the DNA, and it's a match for both Jesse and Dan. Oh, my God. The detectives are such badasses. Like I thought he thought he was net that was never going to be revealed. A cereal box in a random park, probably not thinking that he was going to be questioned or, you know, security cameras aside. But, God, like, they found everything. <laughs> they found everything, but also it's not like he secured them I mean, what do you think? The the cereal box was a damn lockbox? Like, I don't... <laughs> well, I guess. I they guess simply, not. They merely looked in the cereal box and was like, oh, there's a bunch of rope in here. 
No, you're right. But like the trash hadn't been taken out. Like a lot, I think a lot of things kind of worked in their favor. He he was truthful about being in that park and reading a book. Like had True. he never said that, they wouldn't have probably thought to go to a park and look at the trash cans outside the bathrooms, which I think they were outside the bathrooms, whatever. Yeah. They it's were. Just, um, yeah. I don't know. The trash was still there. It just worked in their favor. So, no, totally. So suck it. Sure. Dan was arrested and charged with murder, but pleaded not guilty. So in October 2014, he goes to trial. Mm. The prosecution focused on the DNA evidence, obviously, but also on Dan's computer search history. Always the computer search history. Uh, I mean, when do people realize that they're never going to outsmart technology, technology, the cloud, anything? You can clear your search history. It's still there. Right. Get but out of here. Also, I, I'm sometimes, for depending on what the search history was, because it always is so damning. But I'm like, God, they searched my history. That's true. I'm like, oh. But I'm not looking like, how do you get rid of a body? Shit like that. I just Google dark, dark stuff, dark murders. Yeah, I know. I thought the same thing. But yeah. we could prove that very easily with this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like, look, we're doing research. Right. A few days before her murder, Dan made a ton of searches for various serial killers, serial killers by numbers of victims, and most disturbingly, a very violent porno with a plot that was very similar to Jesse, how Jesse died, which they said was used as an instructional video. Ew. In the movie, after raping and strangling her, he washes her. Washes her body? Yeah. And then puts her back. Remember when Joy found Jesse? She was placed back in her bed, covered up, and her hair was wet. Wet hair. Ew. He washed her. It's like Carla Homolka shit all over again. Yeah. And Paul, whatever. Sorry. Yeah. And it was determined that Jesse was, in fact, raped. Ew. I know. I don't think I like sus. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. Talk to Gen Z about that. Okay. I'm just trying to stay relevant. Dan was found guilty of first-degree murder, yet he still maintains his innocence, even after the insane amount of evidence. He was sentenced to life in prison without the chance of parole and an additional five years for the attack on Melissa. As a result of Jesse's murder, Buck and Joy started the Love is Greater Than Hate Project, which is on a mission to end violence against women Buck speaks at schools, prisons, nonprofits, businesses all over to tell Jesse's story and educate, inspire, and motivate people to be resilient in violence and choose love. Oh, they're such angels. So he's maintaining his innocence till the end, I guess. So we don't know a motive, just an obsession. He, they think, yeah, they believe that he did admit to having feelings for Jesse. Mm -hmm. They dated very briefly in high school or middle school. Um, but that's the only motive. We think he made a pass at her. She was not receptive and he snapped. Yeah. But so the love is greater than hate project is what came out of it. Her parents are angels and he is still rotting in prison, even though he swears he's innocent. (laughs) I just can't imagine a world where that could be true. Right. Um, and that's the story of Jesse Blodgett. Wow. And all the creeps that were in her life. I was certain that Randy guy did it. Yeah. 
my God. And it was just her classmate, her friend, her counterpart in Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, my God. There's a YouTube of them singing a song they wrote together. I uh, think that summer. It's sad. I know. I remember that. I, I think I remember that. Um, God, it's awful. I hate that you know every story I tell you. Oh, no. I'm so well-versed in all the stories. <laughs> okay. I don't want to go back to work. I want to tell my story now for next week. You ready? Okay. So, in Napa Valley. I'm just kidding. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, does it take place in Napa? Yep. I'm going to go Google Please everything. do not. No, you don't. Because you you don't know this one. I know it. We would have talked about it. But I love this part of my day. I know it's fun. And now I have a meeting after prep four. See, this is what we're talking about. Y'all. And if if you need a good, a comfy-ass bra or loungewear with a built-in bralette, head over to our other side hustle, Twinks. That's T-W-I-N-N-K-S dot com. And I think you can still get a promo code. People suck. People it? suck is the promo code for 25% off, I think. Or 15. Yeah. We never can remember. I think it's 25, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, use that. And we're the worst. I, I, I think I've said it before. I promise we haven't, like, totally given up. I've given up on Instagram. I know. Twinks. Twinks, I know. It's too hard. It's time-consuming people. And I'm just, I'm loving the research and everything on people are the worst and recording. It's just so fun. So if you like us, please give us that five-star rating. Write a little something. Really appreciate it. We still don't know who the person who wrote, who gave us the one star. They gave no feedback, but we'd love some feedback. So thanks, y'all. Y'all are the best. People are the worst. Bye. Bye. Bye.